Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. We are living in trying times as we look at our world, and the Christian's enemy thrives on bringing fear. This is Mark Taylor, and welcome to Crosspoint. My guest on today's show has a Master of Divinity degree, serves as a senior pastor, blogs, and has authored a number of Bible studies and books. We're going to take a look at his latest work, For Valor, about how we as Christians can defend the faith. Well, today here on Crosspoint, I'm talking to Corby Shuey, and we're talking about For Valor Defending the Faith for Those of Worth. And folks, we need to be defending the faith today. Right in the preference of the book here, Corby, you say so often in our daily lives, we're broads with the negative. We encounter negativity in the media advertisements. Uh, politics and even other people, voices, uh, repeat the sounds of negatives. And I mean, we like you talk about farmers working on a new crop of despair. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. We're just constantly under, I guess, because of the fall of the human nature, uh, mm-hmm. drawn into this negativity. And you say we need to be rising above that. The, the preface for the book I, I wrote as, as a bit of a, a summary, or at least... Uh, summarizing the thesis for the for the the intent of my writing, and and as you you did say, Mark, uh, we we are barraged with negativity. If we look at the news, or if we look at the newspaper, or listen to the radio, so often we're we're hearing negative reports. We're hearing such negativity regarding the world that we're in, regarding things that are happening in our neighborhoods, in our culture. In a sense, it's it's good to put our finger on the pulse of what's happening. It's good to be aware of, of things that are going on in our culture, uh, but we have to be careful not to, to allow it to overwhelm us, to allow it to, uh, to begin to cause us to be negative as well. As, as I talked about in, in the preface there, that, uh, that we, can, we often grow negativity on our own, in our own lives then because we aren't, we aren't being careful and, and using discernment to uh, to guide us, and 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 we have to, as you as you mentioned, we have to rise above it. We have to be aware of what's happening, but we also have to recognize that we serve a living God. We serve a, a loving Savior who who has come to us to demonstrate how to walk in faith according to His Word that He that He has given to us, and and He says that He has overcome this world. So we, we have to rely. As we live in this world, we have to rely on our Savior, Jesus Christ, to help us overcome some of these difficulties so that we don't get overwhelmed by negativity. Well, a few pages over here in the book, you talk about, on page four, about how that the book's divided into three parts. Yes. And you said the yes. reason you've written the book is to attempt to remind the reader of the eternal hope they have in, in the church. And mm-hmm. then you say the church will prevail because it is his God's and it will its people will bear his name with integrity. So tell us about that, because, you know, we do live in a world where there's not a lot of hope. We, mm-hmm. you know, do. The Bible does says, you know, that uh, he's not coming back for a church that's defeated. So we know that. Right. But, right. Uh, well, we've had kind of two sides of church. We've got some churches that do fight, some churches that have just kind of watered down the fight and they have just gave in. But what are you telling those that are out there that are going to church, uh, that are the church, which is, which is the Christians? Uh, mm-hmm. What are you telling them here in this book that you're wanting to try to get them, uh, you know, about the faith and the worth that they have in that? Well, 
well, the, the answer is in the title, For Valor, Defending the Faith for Those of Worth. We have been given the, the blessed opportunity by our Savior, Jesus Christ, to bear His name. You know, when we claim Him as our Lord and Savior, when we, when we begin to walk out our, our Christian walk, we, we bear His name. We bear the name of Jesus, and we have the responsibility to take His light into the world. As we talked about just, just a moment ago, that this world is growing in darkness. The, the darkness that we deal with in this world is increasing. And many voices in our culture want us to give up. Many voices in our culture want us to say, well, it's too hard. Let's, it, it'd be much easier to hide in my house. It'd be much easier to, to bury my head in the sand and, 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 or put my finger in, in, in our ears and, and block out some of this difficulty that we deal with. But Jesus very clearly says that he has overcome th- those difficulties. We're going to have trials, we're going to have tribulations in this world, but he tells us in his word that he has overcome them, and we are to walk with integrity, we're to walk with valor, with valor. That's one of the points that I that I deal with in the book, um, in, in a later, later section of the book, I deal with the, the concept of walking in valor as we serve our Lord and our Savior. And the concept of, of, of valor is, is a military term. Uh, as I, I go into detail more in the book than, than I have you know, over, the, over the phone here, walking in valor is seeing the worth of those who we are defending, seeing the worth of those who we're trying to protect. And, and we have to, as His Church, as the Church of God, as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to recognize that we have a responsibility to walk in valor, to not allow the negativity to overwhelm us, to not allow the negativity or the difficulty or the hardship or, or the situation that we, fe- that we see ourselves in, the, the chaos that's, that's swirling all around us. That's a concept I deal with in, in the book as well, this idea of increasing chaos. We have to be careful not to allow that to, to cause us to give up, to cause us to quit, to cause us to say it's too hard. We have to walk in valor because we see the worth in the next generation, and really, that's the heart of my book. Uh, it's, it's. I wrote it so that I could try to equip and encourage, and and strengthen those who have a desire to walk out their faith, to continue to walk out their faith in the face of difficulty, in the face of trial, in the face of hardship, so that we can be a witness to the next generation, so that we can be a witness to our children, so that we can be a witness to our grandchildren, because those are the ones of worth. Those are, the, those are the people that we need to walk in valor for, in boldness of faith, so that we can pass on our faith to them. Now, you also talk about, and you know, and you talk about generations. We have a covenant with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and we walk Amen. in that covenant. We stand in that covenant. But tell us about how that plays in, you know, this covenant that we have, because that covenant is a covenant of hope. Uh, a piece of, of what we actually need in life, and people seem to miss that. Mm. Through through Jesus Christ, through His His shed blood and and His resurrection, we are we are benefactors. We are inheritors of an eternal covenant. We're we're we're, we're in, in the inheritors of a covenant that He has established by His own demonstration of uh, and His own willingness to come here to 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 die on the cross for us uh, to to bear the penalty of of our sin. And to offer us remission of sin through his through his shed blood, and then not only to, to do that, not only to, to to pay for the sacrifice of sin or to pay for the penalty of sin, but to be raised again by his own power, by his own authority on the third day from the grave, which gives us this promise of an eternal covenant 
uh, one that is that is given uh, over to eternal life in, in, in the heavenly kingdom of, of our Lord and Savior. And we have to remember that as we as we walk out this life, we are inheritors of that covenant, and, and we have a responsibility to to bear that covenant with integrity. That's, that's one of the things that I think we are forgetting in, in our culture, that we are called to be people of integrity. We're called to walk with integrity as we carry the Word uh, to the next generation. And you mentioned in Chapter 2 of the book, it, it's entitled Lullabies from the Father of Lies, mm-hmm. and you say he speaks lullabies into our ear, the ears of the culture. These are designed to quiet the voice of truth that is found within the spirit of the people, desensitizes mm-hmm. us to sin. There is that voice. There is a, like you said well ago, there is a lot of voices speaking to us, but they're mm-hmm. all these negative voices all are coming from the same source. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And so what do, you, what do you see there as far as, you know, people listening to the father of lies? What are we going to do to keep from hearing those kind of things? Well, I think we have to revert back to the promises in the Word. We have to revert back to the eternal nature, the, the immutable nature of God's Word and the immutable nature of, of God and, and, and Jesus themselves in the fact that they are unchanging, that we have an unchanging, we have an eternal Word, we have an eternal covenant with God that is unchanging. In this life, we're going to have all sorts of things that change. We're going to have all sorts of things that come against us uh, because of these voices that are that are driven by the father of lies, Satan himself. He, he's going to cause all sorts of chaos as he tries to deceive us. But we have the opportunity to revert back to and, and to default to the eternal truth of the Word of God and the eternal source of truth in that in the person of Jesus Christ. You do bring out here something to another part of the book, page 49, where I'm looking. It says, be a witness, live your faith out every day. Show those who are slaves to sin the love of God so that the Holy Spirit can work to soften their hearts. And to mm-hmm. repentance, which is important to know, salvation comes to those who do repent with the authority to turn them away from their sin. But then you say here, now the effects of the transgender movement give the evidence of the enemy's desire to destroy human identity. When we step mm-hmm. away from who we are, infallible children given life by the living God, and the theater of the war is set to bring destruction to biology. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that is in a, in a section of the book that's titled The Lullabies from the Father of Lies. And in that section of the book, I, I talk about a concept of deconstructionism. And there, there are probably many things that we can look at in our, in our world that would fall under the, the ideology of deconstructionism. Uh, but I, I pick up on just four aspects of deconstructionism, uh, one of them being the de- deconstruction of knowledge, uh, one of them being the deconstruction of biology, the deconstruction of identity, and then the deconstruction of truth. Uh, in, in the part of the book that I deal with, the deconstruction of identity, I do, I do allude to the transgender movement as a result of some of this um, negativity, as, some of the, as, as a result of some of this deconstruction or the, these lullabies from the father of lies that are, that are speaking into the hearts of humanity. I, I speak about transgenderism as a as a, as a result of some of these things. And really that springs from cause, or that, that, that effect, I should say, springs from the deception of, of the enemy, that, that he is causing us to be discontent in ourselves. He's, he's causing us to be discontent in, in who we are and, and how we identify ourselves. Uh, he is moving us away from focusing on 
God's Word, uh, how He declares that He has created us, how He has declared that He has redeemed us, how He, how he declares that He has, has saved us by the power of Jesus Christ. We have, we have disregarded that, we have deconstructed that, and replaced it with a, a new sense of being. And we're, and we're seeing that take shape in our culture now, where people are clamoring to try to identify themselves in some way uh, because they have, they have moved away from God's standard of, de- of, of identity. Now, again, still in that area there, page 67, you talk about the sexual culture has actively tried to remove religion. Um, And, you know, the secular side seeks to provide answers to the origin of life apart from the divine creator. Society, as says, worked tirelessly to make us to, you know, enamor the self that we could care less about our essential truths. Now, all this is tied to the critical race theory and all that kind of stuff. This is where you're kind of coming from on this? Yeah, it is. And and critical theory really has many tentacles that are, are, are stretching out to affect how we see culture. And, and critical theory touches on deconstructionism. It really, our core tenet of critical theory is this idea of deconstructionism. Uh, critical theory you know, presupposes that traditions or, or that uh, standards of behavior or, or things that have been established are, are inherently oppressive. And because those things that we see in our world, uh, traditions, um, you know, ethical behavior, standards of moral behavior, uh, the church, you know, uh, the, the church and, and, and church tradition would be lumped into that category. Be- because critical theory sees all of these institutions as being oppressive, we need to therefore deconstruct them. We have to tear them apart and we have to dismantle them so that we can build them back better. In, on a foundation of moral relativism, where 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 morality is is relegated to the individual, where where we can make our own truth and we can become uh, our own truth unto ourselves, we don't have to prescribe to an external source of truth because we are the source of truth within ourselves. And really, that 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 is something that springs from critical theory. Um, and as you as you talked about, we see in our culture um, a movement to become very anti-church. Uh, there was a time, you know, years ago when someone could be an atheist and they could have nothing, they could, they could have a, no desire to be part of the church at all. But yet they would at least understand that there has to be some sort of mutual tolerance there. That, you know, I, I'll, I'm going to believe what I want to believe, but um, as long as you leave me alone, I'm going to leave you alone. So there was, a, there was a sense of mutual tolerance there, even from people that were against the church that would say that the church is, has nothing to do with their lives. We can see a shift in our culture recently where there is no longer a mutual tolerance. Those people who are outside the church for, that, that, are, that are atheistic in their worldview no longer just want to tolerate a church. They want to dismantle it. They want to come against it. They want to act aggressively against it. We can see that taking shape in our culture in, in many forms. Where, where those who are, you know, uh, against the church are becoming much more violent in, in their speech and in their actions to try to dismantle the church so that we feel as if we are overwhelmed. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to have more about this for Valor right after this. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the Programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. 
Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. Welcome back to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor, your host. I'm talking today with Corby Shuey, and we're talking about his latest book, Fort Valor, Defending the Faith for Those of Worth. Now, Corby, if people want to know more about this book, and I know you've done a lot of other studies and books and Bible studies, all kinds of things, how would they go about uh, finding out more and, and maybe even making contact with you? Well, I have a, a website. It's, it's just my name, CorbyShuey.com, C-O-R-B-Y-S-H-U-E-Y.com. On, on that website, you can access a, a page that uh, will take you to a, some of my books and Bible studies. I also publish a monthly blog uh, on that on that page to you know, serve as a way to encourage uh, those who, who read the uh, the blog um, in, in their in their faith. Uh, also on on uh, Skywatch TV, uh, there is uh, they they have both my book and Dr. Michael Lake's book. Um, they have a package deal for access there on, on Skywatch TV. Okay. Com. All right, now back to the book here. I'm looking at page 110. It says, Paul encourages the church to walk in a manner that is fitting to our calling. A manner fitting uh, to our calling suggests that we have a part to play. We are responsible Mm -hmm. to carry our faith with integrity. It is imperative that we humble ourselves before the Lord, submitting to His will and our humility. He can work in us, allowing us to grow in our faith. You know, I think that's a key point you put out mm. here. Very few people walk in humility, and they don't right. they don't practice this area. Yet we know pride's a terrible, nasty thing to mm-hmm. the Lord, and that's what gets a lot of people in trouble. Uh, I think it's probably one of the main main areas uh, that people have to deal with, and don't sometimes realize that they even are dealing with or not dealing with. Uh, mm-hmm. But this responsibility of, of of carrying the faith with integrity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people really get that in their head that are call themselves a Christian. That's a, a vital point that I deal with in the book is that we're, we're called to be people of honor. We're, we're called to be people of integrity. We're called to be people of reverence. That's another term that I think we are losing the definition of in, in our culture, that we, we have lost reverence to an almighty, to a holy God. We have lost reverence uh, to a God who, who can not only destroy the body, but can destroy the, the very soul of a person. Uh, so... We need to remember who God is. We need to remember what He says in His Word. We need to remember uh, that He has expectations for us, and we're supposed to, to strive to, to live up to those expectations, not as, as a means of work, not as a means of trying to preserve or earn merit with God or, or, or to, uh, to, to, to preserve our salvation, but as a way to reciprocate His love. And that's one of the things that we have to remember in our world, that, that God loves us so much that He came here to save us. He came here to walk among us to demonstrate how to be a person of faith. So we have to live in, with integrity. We have to live in, in, in reverence to a holy God, to, to a God who loves us so much that He came to get us, to save us. And as, as Paul says in the book of Ephesians there, chapter 4, that we are called to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Just think about what the, those words mean. Walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. We are called to salvation. We are called to this covenant, this eternal covenant with, with an almighty God. We should walk in a manner that's worthy of bearing that name. I think about it, it with, with, with my own name. My, my own last name is, is, is Shui. And it's not necessarily my name. It's, it's my father's name. And it's my grandfather's name. And it's his father before him. It's his name. So as I walk out my life, not only am I 
trying to live a life that will bring integrity to my own name, but I'm also bearing the name of my father and my grandfather. And I think we have to have that same mentality as we are bearing the name of Jesus Christ. We need to walk in reverence. We need to remember that we bear his name, that we are his witnesses, that we bear testimony to what he has done in our lives as we live out our life. And so often we see in our world where it seems as if people, you know, they, they make this declaration of faith and they, and they get their golden ticket to heaven and they just kind of go off about their business. They live a life according to what they want to do and how they want to live. And, and, and they present a very poor, a very weak witness to the power, uh, to the transforming power of God's Word and, and, and the truth of the Word in, 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 in Jesus Christ. Okay, so in the part of the book you talk about revival, and we need to, you know, revival, there's people praying for revival now more than ever, I think, Amen. Uh, because You're we've right. got issues in our nation. If God doesn't stir uh, the, the area of revival, I don't see how we're mm-hmm. going to survive. But d- right, describing right. your thoughts regarding this, there's a responsibility even for praying for and seeking revival, isn't there? You're right. You're right. And one of the things that we can see happening is there that there are people chasing these events there's there's people chasing revival there's there's just a one that happened i don't know maybe even is still going on i think i believe it was in ashbury uh kentucky there was a revival that was drawing many people there and people were going there to experience this revival now i'm not discounting it i'm not saying that that wasn't revival i'm not saying that god doesn't work that way very clearly god can revive us according to how he wants to revive us because he's god but what, we, what I want to caution people in, as, as we do that, as we think, well, okay, I need to go over there. I need to go to this event. I need to go to this concert. Um, I need to go to hear this speaker, because if I hear this speaker, then I'll be revived. Then I'll be able to be revived, and God will revive my heart. I think we have to be careful not to chase after these events, or chase after these concerts, or chase after these church events, or tent revivals, or, or chase after specific speakers, although there can be revival in them. Again, I'm not discounting them. We have to be careful not to chase after them, because in the event, then that becomes the revival. And we see, well, I can't have revival in my home church. I can't have revival in my home. I can't have revival in my heart because I have to go somewhere else. I have to go hear someone. I have to go to that event. I have to go somewhere to get revived. We need to remember that we have a responsibility to walk in revival. And when, when we feel as if God is stirring in our heart, when we feel as if God is drawing us closer to Himself, when we feel God stirring through, through our own personal Bible study or, or through our own prayer, we need to remember that we can hold on to that revival uh, and walk in that revival as we are refreshed in the Lord any moment, at any time. It doesn't have to be at an event. It doesn't have to be somewhere else. It can be right here, right now, in your own home, at your own church. We can walk in that revival because we have a responsibility to bear His name with integrity. And that's something that I think we have to remember uh, as we walk out our faith, especially as, as the world begins to, to, to increasingly embrace chaos, that we have to remember that we have the opportunity to walk in revival, that we're responsible to walk in revival, and bear his name with integrity so that we can be a light on a hill so, so that he can get glory in our lives. Okay, so now with that being said, you talk about also Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in chapter 16, you relate to the responsibility of our church today. Now, Jeremiah had a responsibility to mm-hmm. do what God had called him to do. Does not the church have that same responsibility in our society? 
You're right. I do talk about Jeremiah 16, specifically verses 16 to 21. And in those verses, Jeremiah gives us a prophecy that is being fulfilled this very moment. He talks about in those verses that uh, God will send out fishermen, that God is going to send out fishermen, and those fishermen are going to fish for men. Has that happened in our, in, our, in our world? Yes, it has. God has sent out fishermen, and He continues to send out His Word. He continues to draw others unto Himself so that He can bring them to salvation. So Jeremiah talks about that. He talks about this sending out of the fishermen. But then he also talks about in those verses that after this time, after God sends out the fishermen, He will also then send out hunters. And that word hunters talks specifically about hunting out sin, hunting out and exposing sin, and I, and I, and I feel as if this is something that, that God is doing this very moment. This is something that is being fulfilled, that is being carried out right now in our world as we speak, that God is equipping us, that He's, he's, he's establishing us, and he's, he's building up His church body so that we can go out and act as hunters, exposing sin, exposing deception, exposing the lies of the enemy, uh, as I allude to in the book, exposing the lullabies from the father of lies, he, he's, calling, he's calling us to expose these things, to call them out, to call them darkness, to call them what they are, so that we can show others an alternative. And, and really, that's where, I hope, that, that's where the hope of the Church is in our day. So many people you know, outside of the Church, I, I can imagine, would feel hopeless. As they see the things happening in our world around us, they, they would feel hopeless because there is no foundation. There is no hope. It's, it's just chaos swirling around and around in their minds because there is no foundation upon which to stand. God in this very day and in this very hour is giving the hope to the Church to say there is an alternative. Chaos isn't the only answer. Uh, d- d- confusion, d- disharmony, discord is not the only answer. We have an alternative, and that alternative is our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we can turn to Him, we can stand upon Him as the rock of our salvation, as the rock of our truth, and help. And, and, and we can ask Him to help us push against some of these d- difficulties and, and, and expose these difficulties in the hope that others will say, I want that as well. And that's really the hope in the Church in our day. We don't have to feel overwhelmed, we don't have to feel as if we have no voice in this world. We have the voice of God, we have the voice of reason, we have the voice of truth, we have the voice of of Jesus Christ to declare in this world, in this life, so that others can be drawn to salvation as well. So, Colby, do you think then the reason that you wrote this book uh, for Valor, uh, you're doing it as a call to the Church? to stand in defense of the faith, and not to be afraid? Is that what you're telling them? Very much so. Very much so. That is the heart of the book. The heart of the book is, is, is really to equip the readers, to equip the Church to not be afraid of the things that are happening around us, to not, to not run and hide, but to stand in the authority of Jesus Christ, to stand in the authority of the indwelling Holy Spirit, and declare truth in this world. Uh, one of the things that I talk about, and, and it really addresses the heart of the book, is Matthew chapter 8. And in that chapter, the, the disciples are with Jesus, and they're on the Galilee. They're in a boat, and as they're on this boat, uh, in, in the middle of the night, this, this great storm arises, and, and, and the waves rise up, and the waves begin to batter the boat. And, and then this storm uh, you know, comes across the sky with, with these thunderclouds, and, and the disciples are looking at this storm, they're looking at what's happening against them. They're looking at, at what's happening against the boat, and they are, they are overwhelmed with fear. 
they feel as if they're going to die. They, they feel as if this is the end, that this storm is going to overwhelm them. But then when Jesus comes on the scene, what does he do? He speaks a word. He speaks a word, and he tells the storm, and he tells the sea to be silent. And as he does this, the disciples are astonished. They say, even this man, even this Savior, this Jesus has the power to control the storm. And really, that is a metaphor for how we are living in our world today. There is a great storm that's coming against the Church. There's a great storm coming against the people of God. There's a great storm coming against our faith. But if we look at the storm, if we look at the waves, if we look at the, uh, the thunderclouds in the sky, if we focus on those things, we can act as, as the disciples act, acted. We can become overwhelmed. But what does Jesus say? That when he comes on the scene, all he needs to do is speak a word. All he needs to do is speak a word, and he will bring calmness. He will bring peace into our lives. So that is the hope that we have to cling to. That's the hope that we have to proclaim in our day, is that we serve a living God who has overcome these things, and we have to focus on Him, because He is going to help us overcome the difficulties of the storm. Now, Corby, I know that Defender Publishing has published your book, yes. but I know that you've done a lot of other work. I mean, you, you're not, you've not just done this book, but you've done a lot of, a lot of studying in depth, uh, you know, trying to help people. If people want to know more about this book, but just about your ministry altogether, how would they go about doing that? Tell us that again. Okay. I have my own personal website is CorbyShuey.com, C-O-R-B-Y-S-H-U-E-Y.com. That's my personal website where I have a couple of other books that I put together. I have a Bible study that I, that I have available there that uh, deals with how to become Bereans, how to, how to really study and take the time to dig into the Word and, and pull out God's truth so that we can be equipped uh, in this day to, to walk according to our faith. That's available on my website. Um, I am the senior pastor of a church here in Pennsylvania. That's called Mount Zion Road Church. Uh, on the, the church's website, uh, you can go on that website and you can access uh, past sermons. We have we have an archive of, of sermons and, and and events at our church that you could listen to if you're inclined to listen to uh, some of my sermons that that I uh, have presented in the past. And again, on Skywatch TV, there is. Um, an opportunity with some other additional materials if you're interested to do that as well. All right. Well, folks, we're going to have more with uh, Corby right after this. On purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. To get God's truths into their lives. Share God's love with people who need encouragement. You get the truth of God out there and it resounds and it resonates. 91.7 The Word. It does amazing things in people's lives. You're listening to Crosspoint today on Crosspoint. I'm talking with Corby Shuey. We're talking about Fort Valor and Corby. When we were talking at the end of the last segment, you were talking about the power of the Christian, and you know you're you're saying that those that know Jesus Christ as Savior, they can stand with authority. But not only that, they have not the ability just to push back, but they also have the the take back. But why don't more Christians understand this? I think it's because we so often are focused on the storm. We're so often focused on the difficulty. We're so often focused on the chaos. And we feel as if we don't, if we don't just comply, if we don't go along with what's happening in our culture, if we, if we, if we stand up and, and, and declare truth, then people are going to come against us. People are going to persecute us. People are going to, uh, to attack us. I think we're afraid of that. And I think that we don't we don't walk in authority. We don't walk in the authority of our Savior. We don't walk in the authority of the Holy Spirit because we don't want to 
suffer the repercussions of a secular attack against us. Uh, one of the things I deal with in the book is taken from Zechariah 10. And in that chapter, Zechariah very clearly deals with the concept of weak shepherds. He's talking about how the people have been left to go astray. They've been left to wander because of weak shepherds. Now, he's not talking about shepherds of the flock. He's talking about shepherds who are meant to lead the people, shepherds who are serving as pastors, as church leaders, who are meant to lead the people toward truth. Zechariah is calling them out. Zechariah is pointing out the fact that the people have been left to go astray because of the weakness of the shepherds who were put in place by God to lead them to stand in boldness to declare the truth. And I think that relates to some of the the things that we see in our culture today where, where people are afraid to stand in boldness, the flock is afraid to do that because the shepherds are afraid to do that. The shepherds are afraid to stand up and declare the authority of God. The shepherds are afraid to stand up and say that this is a lie, this is a deception, this is something that the devil is, is speaking into our culture, this, the devil is speaking into our, our, into our ears, the devil is speaking into the ears of our children to cause them to turn away from faith. There are shepherds who are too weak to stand up to declare truth, and that's why this voice of chaos is becoming so loud in our world today. Very clearly, the devil is trying to attack our children. We look at some of the things that are happening uh, in in the world of education, and and that's really my background is education. I, I was a public school teacher before the Lord called me into the ministry. So I'm not, I, I know many teachers, and there, there are many good people who are in education. But we can see from the top down, as those people who are, who are developing curriculums, as people who are you know, teaching teachers to be teachers of the next generation, they're really being influenced by some of these very demonic and, and evil things in our culture because they want to attack the children. They want to get them off. They want to get them off at a very early age so that they can continue down this path of deception. Now, and you talk about an early age. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but our president, Joe Biden, has said that he would like to see children starting school at the age of three. Wow. It ought to be obvious why, because wow. they want to get a hold of them as soon as they can. You're right. You know. You're right. Colby, as, as we survey the landscape of the world around us, you know, there's no doubt we're living in trying times. And on page 10 of your book, you entitled that The Glass Divided. And you say a choice must be made in order to move away from the chaos and the cross. The divide to enter the peace of the Lord, our Lord, Father, the God Almighty, who pours forth his provision, offers us peace under his hand of protection. But again, we've got to get people to that place You're to right. where they can see that. And you know, revival will help. We have a responsibility mm-hmm. with revival. But what can we do? Can we find some answers here in your book? Well, I think we have to, in in that section called The the Glass Divide, I I talk about how permanent and how powerful our salvation is when we make that declaration of faith. We are are transferred from uh, the old self unto the new self, unto the new self as we identify ourselves as children of, of Jesus Christ, saved by His blood. But yet we still have the opportunity to look back to look back at the old self, to look back across this divide, to look back through the glass divide, as I, as I allude to in the, in the book, and see our old self, see how we were before, see how, uh, how we behaved before. And, 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 and in a sense, God does that to help us not go back. He, 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 help, he wants to, to show us some of the, the failings of our sinfulness so that we don't have the, the inclination to go back because he doesn't, does, doesn't want us to, spe- to experience that hardship again. But we have to remember that 
when we are transferred from the old self unto the new self, we have a responsibility to walk in that new self. We can see the old self. We can remember those things that we've done in the past, those things that, is, that have brought us shame, those things that we, that we regret to a degree. But we, we can look at those things not as stumbling blocks, not as things that could lull us back to living that lifestyle. We can look at those things as building blocks, as, as places where God has established something in us or taking something out of us to create us into his image, to draw us closer to his image, and to establish us as the person that he declares us to be. And we have to remember that as we walk out our faith, that we are identified as a person of God who is made in his image. We bear his image, we bear his characteristics, and we are to call, we are to walk out those things as we walk out our faith. Though he lets us see some of those things in our past, we can't be tethered to them, but we can use them as building blocks to establish us upon His truth. And that's, I think that's one of the things that we have to remember to help us walk in, in the authority of God. Chapter 13 of the book is entitled, No Greater Valor. And you mm-hmm. talk about defending the faith, defending the name of the Lord by standing firm on His Word. For valor to defend the faith of those of worth. That that statement, you said, serves as a tide for this work. And it came to you when you was listening to a friend of yours uh, in Christ uh, at a conference you was at attending. Tell us how that made a difference in your life. Well, I was listening to uh, actually a colleague of mine. His name is uh, Edwin Felici. And he was uh, a veteran. He's an Army veteran. And he was talking about, uh, from the military's pr- perspective, when we walk in valor, we see the worth of the one who is standing beside us to our left, and we see the worth of the one who is standing beside us to the right. And as we engage in military exercises, combat, whatever it may be, we do so with valor so that because we can see the worth of my brother, we can see the worth of, of my sister as we walk to battle together. That speech that he gave served as a catalyst for the title of the book, and I, and I applied it more toward, not, not in, a, in a militaristic fashion, as he was talking about. He did go into um, a faith teaching then, but I applied it to our faith. And, and as we walk out our faith, as we serve alongside of one another in our churches and in our, in our faith communities, we have to recognize the worth of that person that we're serving alongside of. We have to, we have to recognize that we are servants to that person that's that God has called us together, that God has called us into fellowship with one another, but also into fellowship with Himself. And we have to walk in valor as we defend our faith, not only for ourselves, but for the sake of that other person. And we have to stand in His authority, we have to stand in His truth to declare His Word as we walk together toward the battle line. The battle line is very clearly uh, being drawn in our world today. The, the devil is very clearly trying to deceive us, to, to draw us away from faith, and we have to, we have to stand, stand together for valor because we see the worth of, of our brothers and our sisters. Chapter 14 of the book, you quote A.W. Tozer from his book, The Purpose mm. of a Man. But then down below that, you say, the church has lost its way. We have drifted far from the foundation of God's Word and allowed the cultural to exert its influence over what should be pure, holy, and distinct. Now, I'm going to ask you a question here, and I'm going to see if I'm thinking on the right line, and maybe I'm not. But yesterday, I was having lunch with the pastor and his wife. We were talking, and the wife 
the pastor's wife asked me about a certain church in the area. She said, I don't know much about this church. Our son has uh, started going to this church, uh, but we don't know much about that church. Do you know anything? And I do know about that church. I know about the pastor's wife. I know their background of even growing up when they were just teenagers and started the church. The church started off great. Uh, it's a very kind of a youth-oriented church, but a, there's a lot of adults. It's very, you know, it's, it's made an impact in its area. But over the last few years, as it's grown and become a lot more popular and a lot more people mm-hmm. have been attending it, I've been watching the tentacles of, of the world getting itself into mm-hmm. that church more. And let me explain how I see this. You know, you talk about we need to defend the faith. Well, when we mm-hmm. have people come into our churches that are not Christians, they don't know, especially young people, we can't expect them to just change their dress overnight. We can't expect right. them to do these things because they don't understand. It doesn't make sense. They don't know these things. But when there's mm-hmm. Christians, and especially pastors' childrens, and, and Christian families that have families, and when I watch them post up for prom and these other things and the girls wear the same clothes that the girls in the world wear they're all low cut they're split up to their side i know i'm (laughs) getting on people's nerves now Uh, you know when i see these kind of things uh all this uh, they look exactly like the world they don't look any different and i'm not saying you have to go to extremes to look different but you ought to have a little bit of something that right. when they line up in a picture, they don't all look the same. You yeah. know, that there's something yeah. different about some of these youth or whoever that go to this church uh, that makes them, there's a little bit more of a, a holy look maybe or something, a little yeah. more respectful look uh, to, mm-hmm. to how we dress and things like that. I know I'm getting under people's uh, <laughs> skin right now, but, you know, I really get, I'm like, can't the pastor see this? Do we have to let our children look like the world just so they'll bring the world in? I mean, this to mm-hmm. me is where uh, we're seeing the lack of valor. But if we're going to have right. the valor and we're going to defend the faith and we're going to be people of worth, then we're going to have to make that decision not to go that far as the other side goes. We've got to show them mm-hmm. come our way. Our way is the better way, and here's why. I know I gave you a lot to chew on. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I agree with you. I, I agree with you, and I, and I think it goes back to the sense of reverence. You know, as we uh, live out our lives, as we declare that we are Christians, as we declare that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, our first response must to be to act in reverence. And, and I think we've forgotten that. I think we've forgotten how to be reverent to a holy God. I think we've forgotten how to be reverent. Uh, as we enter our, uh, as, our, as we enter our churches, as we present ourselves to the world, as you said, Mark, we need to be different. We need to be set apart. We need to be countercultural. We're not supposed to look like like the world, and that's that's a hard thing because you don't want to get down the the road of legalism, where we, you know, you have to look a certain way, you have to dress a certain way in order to to prove your faith. That's something that Jesus cle- clearly addressed with the Pharisees. Says you look great on the outside, but on the inside you're a you're you're a, you're an empty tomb. You're you're dead on the inside. So our faith must be on the inside first. God wants to speak to our heart first. God wants to, to enter our heart first. And I think that as we, especially as we bring young people in, and, and in, in my own church, we have, if, some, if you come to visit my church, we have a very diverse group. 
we have we have some some people that dress very conservatively. We have others who who dress. I don't know another other than conservatively. I don't know what to to say, but they'll dress it differently than conservatively. We have a very diverse group of people, but we speak to the heart. It's 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 a heart condition, and we have to allow the word of God to take root in our heart, so that when the sunshine, when the when the weeds, when the when the difficulties, when the ground dries up around us, that root that's planted in our heart can still thrive. That that root that's planted in our heart can still grow. And as we speak to the heart of our faith, as we as we seek to to, to implant the, the the living Word of God, as we seek to implant the uh, the faith of Jesus Christ in our heart, then those those the fruits of the Spirit, those things that will begin to transform us on the outside, will begin to take place. And I think we have to be careful not to attack it from the outside in. We have to attack it on the opposite way. We have to attack we have to attack our faith from the inside out. We have to teach, as, as leaders of the Church, we have to teach others how to apply their faith to their heart so that the Word of God can begin to transform them from the inside. And as they are transformed from the inside, as they begin to submit themselves to God internally, from their heart, from their mind, like I said, those, those external things will begin to, take, to become evident, and they'll begin to bear fruit in keeping with the Kingdom of God. Well, there's a lot in your book here for Valor. We're out of time, Corby, but tell people how they can find out more about you and, and maybe make contact with you, uh, find your book or whatever. Okay. My, again, my personal website is CorbyShuey.com, C-O-R-B-Y-S-H-U-E-Y.com. That's my own personal website where you can get access to some of my books and Bible studies as well as a monthly blog that I, that I publish each month. That's one point of access. Uh, the other place is my church, my home church in Pennsylvania. It's Mount Zion Road Church. We have a, just a great, humble group of people, and I am blessed to serve in that church. I, I consider it an extension of my own personal family. It's just a, blessed, a blessing to be part of that church. Uh, you can access sermons. Uh, we have a sermon archive there um, on Mount Zion Road Church. Uh, that's another way to access some of the, the teachings that I've put out. And then the last access point is, is Skywatch TV. You can take advantage of the, the, the bundle offer that they are putting together with my book and Dr. Michael Lake's book, as well as some other materials through skywatchtv.com. All right. Well, Corby, thank you so much for joining us today on this edition of Crosspoint. Thank you very much, Mark. Good interview today with Corby. I know we get caught up in these interviews, and we want to tell people that their lives changed. And Corby referred constantly to the Bible, the book I have in my other hand here right now. In this book, as well as the book Corby wrote, but in the Bible, it talks about life as it should be. It talks about uh, life for today. It's not outdated ever. And it shows you what eternity holds for those that want to follow after God's Word. The Bible contains the most important words ever to be read, ever to be followed. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are affecting the church. Have a great week. Allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, Leosho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. 
You can hear Crosspoint four times a week. Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at KNEO.org. Are you a Christian who likes to read? If not, there's a whole world of Christian publishing out there that you're missing out on. I invite you to check out the Author's Corner podcast where I talk to the latest Christian authors each week about their new book releases and what's coming next. So if you're ready to jumpstart your spiritual growth with the newest books and the authors who write them, check out the Author's Corner podcast with me, Roberta Foster. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.